0: For as long as the Sun has existed, so has solar energy. The yellow dwarf star makes it possible for life to exist on Earth, and without its heat, our planet would freeze. And even though it's over 90 million miles away, its gravitational pull keeps our planet in orbit. Hacking into the Sun's energy with scientific precision, solar power innovations allow us to absorb light from the Sun and transform it into electricity. In short, the Sun? Very powerful. But as energetic as the sun is, it's only available half of the time. Even under the cloak of night, scientists have found new ways to optimize the sun's energy. From solar water to solar-powered cars and anti-solar panels, researchers are leveraging the sun's infinite potential and building a more efficient future of solar energy. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story takes a closer look at the sun's powerful magnetic forces. Controlling space weather with flare-ups that are ejected into outer space, the sun's coronal mass ejections, high-speed solar wind, and solar flares are an intense burst of radiation. It turns out these storms have no real effect on us Earthlings, nor will they disrupt Earth's magnetic field. Instead, they teach us about our elusive star and its life cycle. Our second story is about solar power's inefficiencies, with a look at how energy harvesters reworked solar power technology to improve the sun's limitations, Anti solar energy picks up where daytime solar panels leave off, and may one day be the future of sustainable energy. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, why science is on Earth's side when it comes to the power of the sun. The sun. Ah, the sun. Smooth and round. And peaceful.
1: It is a source of life on our planet.
0: Except when it suddenly vomits
2: radiation and plasma in random directions. Constantly shooting out streams of charged
1: particles. Sometimes the sun will release coronal mass ejections. It has the capacity to
2: disrupt telecommunications. Solar flares could take a heavy toll on our wired world. Solar flares throw out huge amounts of high-energy radiation, which can damage electronics and threaten astronauts in space. The UN is recognizing solar activity as a concern on par with close-approaching astronauts.
0: Solar flare? Look out! The solar flare! In the summer of 2020, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration spotted a powerful solar flare erupting from the sun's surface. This slow-motion flare created a shockwave through our yellow dwarf star's atmosphere, a small ripple towards the Earth's magnetic field, and a freakout among science nerds bracing themselves for the possibility of a geomagnetic storm. This coronal mass ejection from the sun wasn't exactly headed in the Earth's direction, but it could have grazed our planet's magnetic field, meaning it was technically possible that a minor geomagnetic storm or high-latitude aurora could result. Beautiful auroras aside, these storms can also cause disruptions in navigation systems and power grids. The warning and subsequent Y2K like hysteria begged the ultimate question as to whether these storms can really affect us here on Earth and how much so. Here to help explain more is Inverses, Percent, or WA. Hey, Percent, welcome back. Thank you. So you wrote about how this was, you know, the solar flare was initially spotted on the Earth's surface in August 2020. It sounded intense enough, you know, enough to perk some people's ears up. But how did the NOAA originally size up what this could mean?
1: So, the initial prediction was that this coronal mass ejection would erupt from erupt from the Sun. And it wasn't exactly headed towards Earth, but it was going to graze our magnetic field, the magnetic field that surrounds our planet. So,
0: that's all it took, basically, this otherwise matter-of-fact note caused another kind of flare-up, right? The internet kind. Was there some kind of geomagnetic storm that wreaked havoc on Earth? I didn't see the havoc, but I missed things in quarantine.
1: There was not. The thing is, these things always sound a lot more dramatic than they actually are. Because uh, because the truth of the matter is, they happen all the time. The sun is always constantly emitting these uh, ejections out into space, and some of them do have the occasional chance of passing by Earth, like lightly grazing our magnetic field. But these very rarely have an actual effect on us down here on Earth. And if this did occur,
0: generally, how would or could solar weather disruptions impact us here on Earth?
1: So what impact it would have, if these ejections were to hit Earth, would be on the power grids, would be on satellites, would be on orbiting spacecraft, and potentially could affect astronauts perhaps in the on the International Space Station. So these are the types of effects that they would have.
0: Again, so this is all dependent on the magnetic field, the idea that even a small ripple towards the Earth's magnetic field can really impact solar activity in a gnarly way. Why is that?
1: So the sun goes through a periodic cycle every 11 years. And that's uh, it's marked by a shift in the magnetic field where The South and North Poles essentially switch spots. And that is marked by some change in activity in in the sun's uh in uh, the sun's ejections, in the sun's coronal ejections. So at the beginning of the uh, of the cycle is when the sun is most active and then it starts to kind of dwindle down and then it, it takes place all over again every 11 years. And so scientists know that it has to do with the magnetic field of the sun, but they're still not quite sure of the exact mechanism that takes place and why it takes place every 11 years. That's still kind of a mystery because not all stars follow the same cycle or the same period.
0: So can we rest a bit more assured? I I take it I don't need to worry about solar flare ups in
1: general. I mean the thing is these flare ups happen all the time. It's just which ones could have an effect on us down here on Earth and those are very, very rare. Yeah, and the type of effect that they would have is also very minor. So hopefully the sun stays that way for a while. Right now the sun is, is sort of in its it's like midlife crisis type of thing so its activity isn't i mean when the sun was really young it was a lot more active so now it's kind of slowed down a little bit but we're still not sure what's going to happen as the sun ages or how it's going to act what kind of activity will take place on the sun so we will wait and see i guess good you could read
0: all there is to read about the rest at inverse.com percent thank you for the peace of mind thank you To improve the sun's limitations, energy harvesters are using solar power technology to pick up daytime solar panels slack. Up next, why anti-solar panels may one day be the future of sustainable energy. Alternative forms of energy are certainly something that we're all looking for. And the crackers on the roof, they're solar panels. This is compost and this is solar panels. Solar.
1: Solar. The problem is, you can only get so much power on Earth. A joint study demonstrates
2: a way to generate electricity in the dark by use of a thermoelectric generator device. A new solar cell that generates power at night.
0: I use solar panels at my homestead, but one of the downsides of them is that at night, they don't provide any power at all, until now. Solar panels remain an incredibly important tool for generating sustainable, clean energy. That is, as long as the sun is out. But what about when it's not, like at night? Or in parts of the world, like in Nordic countries, where for large parts of the year, available daylight fluctuates drastically? That's where anti-solar panels come in. Together with daytime solar panels, they create a sustainable energy source that can be used all day and all year long. A new study has determined a way to do this even better. In a paper published August 2020 in the journal Optics Express, a team of researchers from Stanford University and the technion Israel Institute of Technology says it all comes down to the thermoelectric power generator. Something that already exists in solar power technology, it's not living up to its full potential if optimized, these generators could create a sustainable lighting generation that could provide everyone, including those in developing and rural areas, access to reliable and low-cost energy lighting sources. Let's get the full breakdown. Joining us now is Inverse's Sarah Wells. Hey, Sarah.
2: Hi, thank you. Always happy to be here.
0: So we've come to see that solar panels were really just a first step to the future of sustainable energy. Can you explain a bit more about its limitations and where anti-solar panels can really come in and pick up the slack?
2: Yeah. So I think the thinking here is that there's kind of an intrinsic... Limited time span that you can use a solar panel, aka like when the sun is out, which means that a lot of the time, you know, at night, which is 50% or if not more um, of a full day, there is really not that much energy being harvested. And solar panels are, you know, designed to capture light as it comes in and then store it. But there's also kind of this nagging idea that there's maybe energy that's not being harvested at night that we could try to get access to. Um, So I think that's maybe kind of where part of this idea comes from.
0: And these seem to, they look a lot different than the regular solar panels that we're all used to seeing on roofs at this point.
2: Yeah, so I think anti-solar panel here is maybe a little bit of a misnomer because like you said, they don't really look like a—you know your typical thin solar panel. These are a little more kind of like just oxy generators, basically. They're called thermoelectric generators. And essentially, they kind of have one side at the top that is their quote-unquote hot side, um, though it's more like ambient air temperature. And then they also have a cooler side that in this case is coming from radiative cooling from space. So now the focus seems to be more on infrastructure,
0: you know, the infrastructure of these anti-solar panels, thermoelectric power generators, in other words. How do these systems work to create energy?
2: Yeah, so as I was mentioning with their kind of cool and hot side, basically what they're doing is they're creating, they're converting the temperature difference between these two sides and transforming that into energy that they can then use. As we we're kind of, I think, getting at with kind of the infrastructure of these, they are already in existence. And kind of what this study was showing um, in a simulated way is ways that these could be further improved, you know, more optimized heat flow, for example, to kind of convert that temperature and not lose excess heat uh, to the outside. And they showed that in their, sim- in their simulations in the study, they were able to achieve 120 times more energy through these kind of little optimization tweaks that they were theorizing about. And again, one of
0: the ultimate goals is to provide off-grid energy generation. That's especially key for developing areas, for rural areas. But how else can we further get all we can out of this? You know, what could the future look like with this kind of energy generation in place?
2: I think an appealing future for something like this kind of with its I guess alter ego the the normal solar panel is that this might give us an opportunity to kind of harvest energy 24 7 you know while the sun is out and even at night um and the researchers are also mentioning that they might be able to harvest during the day as well and also even harvest excess energy from like car heat waste for example so really kind of just sucking up all this energy that was previously unused and you know making the most out of it
0: and since it's using this commercially available tech already, would that be a good sign for wider adoption in the nearer future?
2: Yeah, I think it's maybe kind of hard to say at this point because with this study, kind of the 120 times greater you know, energy consumption that we talked about, it is simulated. So kind of moving these optimizations into these existing infrastructures, I think will be the next step. Um, and I think that they're definitely improving and they're kind of becoming more accessible and better, these technologies. But I wouldn't say that they're kind of rivaling solar panels at all at this point. Very good. Sarah Wells, thanks so much. Always.
0: Head to Inverse.com to read more about the latest in solar power technology. You can click on the link in the show notes for that story and all others we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at inverse.com. Look for The Abstract podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.